Welcome to the podcast, Not Like the Other, where being different is the new normal. I'm your host, Jonathan, and today we are going to have our very first microsode. But before we get into that, I want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for the support. It has just been so fantastic. When I launched it, I was equal parts terrified, anxious, excited, and a little proud of myself at the same time because this has just been a long time coming. Uh, The weird thing is is that I haven't actually recorded anything for about six or seven weeks now uh, because it takes that long uh, for me to edit an episode and this is all a bit of a learning experience for me as well. You can imagine that being the content maker, producer, editor, and marketer is a lot. And I'm learning so much at the same time. So thank you to everyone who's provided uh, their time, their, um, their just their ability to uh, sit there and listen to the whole thing and provide all that constructive feedback. It has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, we'll probably talk about more of that feedback um, in the next full episode. But if you have any more feedback, obviously, do not hesitate to send me an email at notlikeTheOtherPodcast at gmail.com or leave a message on my Twitter or my Instagram. My Instagram is not like the other podcast, and Twitter is not like the O-T-H-E-6. And now that we've got all of that out of the way, on with the show. So thank you for joining me again on our first microsode, where I focus and pick apart a microaggression related to the theme of the moment. And if you haven't figured it out already, go back and listen to the first episode. But... If you have listened to the first episode and you still haven't clued in, we're talking about the immigrant experience. These microsodes are shorter episodes that feature between longer episodes as an extra tidbit and to delve a little deeper into one of my favourite topics that plague many of us, microaggressions. And given this is the first microsode, let's do a bit of microaggression 101. What's microaggression, I hear you ask? Is it one of those new fandangled terms dreamt up by politically correct people? Maybe. But speaking as someone who is different, I can tell you that microaggressions have been around for a lot longer than that term. And we might have known them as something else in the past. We might have said that that person was being passive-aggressive, misunderstood, or that what they said was meant as a joke. But call it what you want, the result is exactly the same. The recipient feels a little bit shit. So when it comes down to what is a microaggression? Well, it's the opposite of a more visible, obvious type of aggression. Microaggressions tend to be comments that seem passive, but quite often make the recipient feel a little bit off. They can even seem like a compliment at times, but it's completely backhanded. And the tricky part is that the perpetrator sometimes intends for the microaggression to fully nail its target, and other times, well, they don't even realise they're doing it, which makes identifying it all that much harder. And it can sometimes take days, weeks, months, even years, figuring out whether what was said was a microaggression. And it's not just sitting on one event and stewing on it for years, it's just that it can be really repetitive in its nature. And that's how it can be so harmful. So as an Asian-looking person, someone telling me that I speak English well for the first time could, I guess, be taken as a compliment. However, if many people look at me and make the same comment without understanding my background, well, the question then becomes, why does this keep happening? But before we break it down even further, I've been asked, how is a microaggression different from a shady or a sarcastic comment? 
when I'm with close friends, or dare I even say peacocking, there are times where I love to have a witty comment at hand so that I can humorously make fun of somebody. And it will generally be about their personality or something stupid that they may have done or may have said in the past. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes the joke doesn't land, or it's not taken in the way that I wanted it to be, or it didn't come out in the way I intended it to. But the one thing I would never do is make it about someone's religion, culture, or their race. And if I wanted to dig deeper and still be funny, coming from a self-confessed shady bitch. Shady is something that's more confrontational. It's with real intent. You land that punch when you make that comment. And people know when you're being shady. In a Venn diagram, where there are microaggressions and shady comments, there are real overlaps. In the way that the comments are backhanded, the comments can be really passive-aggressive, and they can even be mean. But being shady requires some thought and some wit, and you never focus on a stereotype that could be deemed racist, because you know what? There are other ways to land a punch. And yes, of course, you can be a shady racist bitch, but at least people know where they stand with you and are quite clear that you're probably not someone that they want to get close to anyway. Have I cleared up the mystery around what a microaggression is? Then I invite you to listen on, because I'm sure, like me, you learn by example. And our first microaggression to start the series of microsodes is the one that Vicky mentioned in our first episode. You speak English very well. Or, you speak English well. That's right, this microaggression comes in a couple of varieties, one said in a very deliberate, slow, and somewhat loud manner, and the other one with complete and utter surprise. And although it's said in two different ways, the result is exactly the same. Based on how you look, I'm surprised you speak my language. Now I know what you're saying. Most people have said this to me before. Well, how do you know that someone didn't mean it as a genuine compliment? And I'm sure for some people who've said it to me, or to Vicky, or people that look like us, there have been instances where it's a genuine compliment. But I'm sure you've already guessed that the way that it's said can quite often be a red flag that indicates to someone like me, or someone like Vicky, that it's not meant as a compliment. Or that the underlying reason as to why it's being said is not meant as a compliment. So remember what I said earlier, that the first time someone said this to me, I took it as a compliment. I think the trouble is, is that when the situation repeats itself over and over again, it makes me ask, well, what is it about me that people feel the need to tell me that I speak English well, without even knowing my background? And right, it's the way I look. Being Asian, it's assumed that I wasn't born in a Western country, And in this case, it's true, but I was born in an Asian country, where English is one of the official languages. But even if I was born in another country, would it even make a difference? Maybe I studied somewhere foreign, like the UK or the US. Maybe all I did growing up was watch British or American or Australian TV. There have been so many amazing stories where people have actually learned English by watching Friends. I know that I speak French and I speak Japanese better because I watch television shows in those languages. Maybe I grew up in a Western country, which is what happened. But you start to see that there are endless possibilities. However, that microaggression can reduce a person like me to this one assumption. An assumption that's made 
which doesn't take into account any of those factors, just based on how I or people like me look. In that situation, it seems my race comes before being an actual fully-fledged person with a personality, a background, or dare I say it, even feelings. So this particular microaggression has taken me years to figure out. It has been a process of taking apart, putting back together, taking apart, putting it back together. And I'm sure there are many of you out there that must be asking, well, how has this not been over-exaggerated in my head? And the truth of the matter is it probably has. But the one thing I will say is that the thing that causes me to replay the question over and over again in my head is that it leaves me feeling uneasy and uncomfortable. I've replayed it over and over again in my head, thinking, well, if it was a compliment, then why did I feel like a puppy dog that had just been rewarded by its owner? Why did it feel so patronizing? And then I figured it out. If you complete the sentence, it becomes, you speak English well for an Asian person. But let's be real and call it what it is. You speak English well for a foreign looking person. I had many heated discussions with friends, with family, with my other half, where we debated this for what seemed like hours. It probably was hours, actually. What I began to realise is that other people had had this experience before. So it wasn't just me being, quote-unquote, overly sensitive. But I don't think people understand the gravity because it's been so accepted into daily discourse and in conversations that it tends to get overlooked. And like many others, I brushed it off. I didn't say anything at the time because I was still trying to process and dissect what it meant. But I know that if someone said it to me today, that I would say something. Which leads us to the next bit. Well, how do we deal with this? I always think that the best way to solve a problem is to start with the source. So let's think about the intent. Let's think about why someone would say this without knowing someone's background when meeting them for the first time. Now, think about whether the compliment needs to be paid. Do you even know the background of the person? Now, if you can say yes to all those things, and it turns out the person's background has some extraordinary circumstances behind it that would lead you to think that speaking English well would be an impossibility, then sure, go ahead, pay the compliment. I mean, the thing about these things is that in the right context, it could be taken as a compliment. But to be fair, a lot of the time it isn't. But then let's take the other side. How does one cope? Is it worth walking away and saying nothing? Now, in my decades of having to deal with this, sometimes saying nothing and smiling is really just the way to go. I mean, you're not going to put yourself, or I'm not going to put myself in a bad situation just so that I can have the upper hand. But I'm going to say this, walking away and saying nothing all of the time definitely isn't the answer. But neither is smiling and trying to let it pass which, you know, again, can be a response and can be an appropriate response given a certain type of situation, but it's definitely not the right response 100% of the time. So, calling it out. Well, that can seem awfully confrontational, but what I mean by calling it out is basically stopping the conversation in its tracks and doing a little bit of a recap just that the person on the other side understands that you don't feel comfortable when someone said this to me on one occasion. Instead of being abrupt and calling it out, I just set the record straight. And I said, well, I was born in Australia, so I hope my English is good. But there have also been days where I'm so tired 
and I don't have a witty comment, and and all I can muster up is, of course I speak English well. Not one situation is the same because you have to factor in feelings, circumstance, the type of person that's saying it to you. Are they saying it to you aggressively? Are they saying it to you patronizingly? All of these things will factor into the decision on how you want to handle the situation. But it's important to identify and recognize the situation for what it is. And at that time, you dealt with it in the best way you thought how. And so there we have it, our very first microsode. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. I hope that if you didn't know what microaggressions were, that this word is now well and truly embedded in your vocabulary. I hope that there were some points that made you smile, laugh a little bit, even though it is a pretty (laughs) disturbing, shitty subject to talk about. But maybe it brings about some empathy and understanding for folks like me who have been on the receiving end of this for what seems like what feels like since time began. If you felt any of those things and you want to leave a comment, please leave it in my Instagram or drop me an email again on notlikeTheOtherPodcast at gmail.com. I'd love for you to join me in the next episode of Not Like The Other People in the Neighbourhood where we talk about what it was like to grow up as an immigrant in the United States and we get different insights on the immigrant experience. I'm sure there'll be plenty of parallels and differences from the immigrant experience in Australia. But until we meet again, enjoy the rest of Pride Month. Be safe, be proud, be different.